Hello and welcome to Lioness Podcast with me, your host, Jane Lyon, here to share with you all of my spiritual contemplations. I'll be honest, you guys, I am in an extremely internal state right now, which feels very uncomfortable. I am normally a quite extroverted person, love to put myself out there. I have friends who will say things to me like, you know, I'm kind of in an exhale right now. I'm kind of internal. They stay home. They turn off their phones. And that's just never been me. Like whenever my, I have friends that, you know, that I love that, I admire that about them when they can just be like, yeah, I'm just, I'm in an internal place right now. It's funny how there's like this judgmental part of me that's like, what do you mean? Like, aren't you here to serve? But right now I'm really in an internal place of serving myself um, and really fostering a deeper connection within myself outside of all of these, you know, different relationships that I have and been spending a lot of time alone figuring out what's next for me. It's interesting how you can have so much success. You can hit all of your goals and and still feel this kind of emptiness inside. There's still something missing here. So, you know, of course, there's a part of me that's like, don't record a podcast this week. Like, you're really vulnerable right now. You're really sensitive right now. You're really internal right now. And you don't have anything to share. You don't have anything to share. And there's really nothing, you know, it's like this podcast is about creating supportive content for you. So that on Sundays... You know, I I remember on Sundays, I used to get so anxious that it was Sunday. (laughs) And there's this term called Sunday scaries, right? It's like very normalized in our culture to be like, it's Sunday and I'm anxious because tomorrow's Monday and I have to start my week and like today's my last free day before I have to go back to my Monday. Again, you guys, this is such a capitalist norm that we have to stop accepting into our lives. We have to stop accepting that on Sundays we get anxious because we're afraid of what this week is coming, what this week is bringing. That was me. That was me. And if you're in a place in your life where you're dreading Mondays because what you have to do on Mondays when you wake up is not fulfilling is not exciting, makes you anxious to even show up, babe, you deserve better. You deserve so much more than that. So make a change. You know, I forget the statistic, um, but between June of 2020 and June of 2021, and they're calling it the great resignation, the pandemic helped so many people realize, like, I hate my job and I don't need it. Like, yeah, it's scary to not know where your money is going to come from, but if you're not enjoying your Sundays because you're anxious about starting work on Mondays, that is not living, baby. That is not living. And 
Actually, when I started working as a journalist at this small local magazine, oh my god, I loved that job so much that I realized that on Sundays I was just so excited to get up the next day and, you know, dress all cute to be at the office and do my research and do my job as a journalist. And um, knowing what it feels like to, like, have your weekends but just be so excited to get to work on Monday and and that's still how I feel right um follow that follow that yeah and my assumption is that if you're listening you already are following that but if you're not everyone's doing it babe quit your job go do something else (laughs) I remember I was so 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 afraid you guys this is like um maybe a year ago god it's so crazy it was more than a year ago probably a year and a half ago that my unemployment stopped coming in and I was so scared because I was not willing to get a job I kept telling myself I'm going to use my own skills to make a career for myself and you guys last month I made more money than I've ever made in my life in one month (laughs) like I did not know that it was possible for me to make that much money in one month on my own just by sharing my gifts like I know we hear about these stories but it's real you guys it's true it's a thing and knowing that I've created that for myself and that I can just relax into that It's extremely empowering and it almost makes me wonder if now, now that everything in my life is so stable and solid, now I have the opportunity to go deeper inward into myself and what I am healing from and working on with myself. Because even though I am in this position of leader and healer and teacher, I am constantly working on myself, you guys. Wow, I hope I don't cry on the show today. (laughs) Um... I've been reading this book I wanted to tell you about called The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Um, Wow, you guys, this book. um, Actually, one of Bruna's clients brought it to our house to give to her. And I laughed because Bruna's in school right now. You don't get to, like, read for fun when you're in school. And so I picked it up, and I don't even know who gave it to her. I need to make sure I get it returned to them. Um... You guys, I can't stop reading it. I can't stop reading it to the point where I have to, like, okay, I read 10 pages. I need to put it down because, and I can't read it before bed anymore either. Um, Brain, mind, and body in the healing of trauma. So this guy pretty much is one of the first psychiatrists in, like, Western medicine. And he started his career, you know, interning at asylums and just doing a lot of kind of basic psychological social work. Um, But he studied psychiatry and he was one of the first, um, his, his main, you know, groups were people with PTSD. So a lot of his, um, it's like his clients and also his research subjects, because he would do both, war veterans, people who witnessed or experienced 9-11. He references Hurricane Katrina a lot. This book helps you get into the psychology of trauma and how 
that is stored in our bodies and then reflected outward in the way that we interact with the world. And obviously the list of like mental illnesses are in that. And then also that builds into the list of like physical diseases. And he also talks about like the, the, the explosion of psychiatry. Like he was a psychiatrist who was not being taken seriously by other doctors because no, no psychiatrists were. They were like, you can't, you can't use like pills to fix the brain. And he was one of the first doctors to study the effects of Zofran on people with severe PTSD and just saw such amazing results, you know, for people who couldn't get out of bed, couldn't shower, couldn't eat food, couldn't hold down a job because their trauma was so heavy in their body. They're given this, this serotonin stimulator known as Zofran Prozac. Um, and these people, for the first time in their lives, they're able to go seven days of, I ate, I showered, I cleaned up my house. Wow, life is manageable. And I'll share something with you guys um, that I probably have never mentioned before. I was on Zofran for one year. During college, between my sophomore and junior year, I don't remember very much about that year. I don't remember very much at all. Because, so the reason I went on Zofran is because I wanted to die. I wanted to take my own life so badly, so badly. It was all I could think about. Every single day, all I could think about is, am I going to end it today? Do I really have to try to survive through another day? I hadn't eaten anything in months. Um, I don't know how my body was functioning. I was managing to go to all my classes, get good grades, keep up with my job. I was actually like one of the lead callers, lead sellers at my job. It's insane what the body can keep up with when you're like gone. And so I went to the amazing nurse practitioner at the University of Oregon. She was such a doll. And I just told her, like, I can't, I can't, I cannot go another day thinking about killing myself. I can't do this. Like, that was one of the most vulnerable moments of my healing experience. I had already checked myself into um, treatment, but, oh, okay. If you think that you, after you check yourself into treatment, all of a sudden things are going to go upward, <laughs> No, once we decide to start healing our mental illnesses and our trauma, sometimes the, the mental illness will spiral down a little bit. And that's where I was. I had checked myself in and I was spiraling even deeper because I had to face all of this. I had to look at it and really notice something is very wrong here. <coughs> so yeah, I went to my nurse practitioner and I was like, Please give me anything that will just help me survive because I can't live this way anymore. And so she prescribed me Zofran. And every day I would take that pill and I didn't tell anybody. The amount of secrets that I kept during my, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't even call it my healing journey. I would call it my dark night of the soul. Um, I was so ashamed that I had to take those, that medication. But... After I started taking that medication, 
everything started to get easier. I could get out of bed, I could shower, I could make myself a piece of toast, I could, like, it. everything just got easier, but I was so numb that I don't remember anything. And I started to, like, as I reflect back, um, like, I wouldn't feel, like, overwhelming happiness and joy. Like, when you're just, like, so happy, you want to scream, you know? Or when you're just so low and sad that you're just crying and the crying feels so good and you're just, like, letting it out. Nope. You, I, don't, I didn't experience those on SSRIs, and I don't know if anyone is listening can relate, but I think that's why when you get off the SSRIs, you don't remember very much. Like, that year is such a blur to me, and I, I don't know if this is true, but I started to think that moments of intense emotion, whether it be sadness or happiness, help us mark our memories in our bodies. Which, I mean, reading this book about how the trauma is stored in the body, it makes me think that heightened emotions store in our body and help us remember them. Like, do you have a bunch of memories of times when you were just totally chilling and content? No, you have memories of the times when you were experiencing a lot of feelings. So this book is so interesting because he saw it just helping so many of his very specific clients that he chose to give this medication to. And then he watched it blow the fuck up. And he watched it become a $100 billion industry. And he sees in his research now that one in four children is on some sort of antipsychotic medication. And that people and children are being given these labels of diagnoses just up and down the board and then just been given pills to match that diagnosis. And he believes that the biggest mistake we've made in psychiatry is the belief that has been widely accepted that your mental illness is simply a chemical imbalance in your brain. Do you guys know how many times I heard that? Do you have any idea how many times somebody told me, Jane, you're just having a chemical imbalance in the brain, so once we put this medication in, it will balance and you'll feel better. And then I was on the medication and I was like, I'm numb, but I don't want to kill myself anymore, so sweet. <laughs> the reason why so many of us are suffering from mental illness is because of the trauma that we experience as babies and children that we have not healed from. So if this is something you're interested in, like I don't, I can't believe it took me this long in my journey to pick up this book. So many people recommended it to me, um, but I will like, like trigger warning this book. Um, and it's not even that I'm triggered by it. It's that I, it triggered a lot of nightmares because y'all, I didn't witness 9-11. The scariest thing I've experienced was the earthquake of 2020 here in Salt Lake, um, you know, I've never seen horrible violence in front of me. I've never, you know, I, I'm pretty blessed. My trauma is more what we would call complex trauma, but I'm not going to get into that today. Uh, like what I am going to get into today is the complex trauma of growing up in Salt Lake City around 99% white, blue-eyed, blonde hair Mormons and feeling like such a freak. Ugh. feeling like such a freak because I wasn't Mormon 
my parents were divorced, my mom was single. Apparently the fact that my parents drank wine was like, oh my god, what crazy people. Um, and I was raised Catholic, I wasn't raised the, the religion here, and I was always really different. I was just always really different, but I put on a really good front that I was just like everybody else. Very popular, charismatic, good grades, class president, cheerleader, dancer, professional musician. When you feel completely broken on the inside, you overachieve. And it's funny because um, there's this great kind of cliche around same-sex couples, around gay people, that they're more affluent, right? You always see like the lesbian couple or the gay couple in like a gorgeous house that's like perfectly decorated. They're driving nice cars. They're dressed to the nines, always perfect style, like great social lives. Why do you guys think that is? I love this cliche. I'm all about it. I support it. Even though statistically speaking, it could not be more wrong, but I'm not here to get into it. That's the research actually I did in college of... Um, my entire senior thesis was, why are there so many homeless gay kids living on the streets of Salt Lake City? And one of the professors I looked up to more than anything told me that it was cutting-edge research, you guys. Yes, a researcher at the U told me that my research on why the fuck are all these homeless gay kids on the streets of Salt Lake City, he called it cutting-edge. And I bet you guys can guess the results of my research. I don't even need to tell you. I don't even need to tell you. I can get into that a different time. <laughs> also, for those of you who have listened to all my episodes, do you feel like I push off topics for another time frequently? Because I have noticed I say that a lot. And I think it's just because I have intentions for what I want to speak on today and other things come up and I so want to just get into them. But before I know it, that'll be my whole show. And I don't even have that research out in front of me. I'd rather have it in front of me to share it with you. And it's very outdated now. And everyone and their mom is trying to help the cause. And I am serious, you guys. I, <laughs> I was one of the first people to ask that question. I, I, like, I am very confident in that. And it makes me really fucking sad that I was one of the first college researchers to ask that fucking question. Okay, this is going to be an explicit episode today. You know why? Because I'm talking about being gay. And it does bring up some anger, and it brings up some rage, and it brings some, up some freedom to just express. So, when you're so uncomfortable with who you are on the inside, you overachieve. I was a professional music musician at age 15. I got accepted into all my colleges I chose before I even started my senior year of high school. I did everything I could to give this perception, this image, that I am perfect and that I'm exactly who you think I am. When inside, secretly, I thought I was a freak. And you want to know why I thought I was a freak? Because sometimes I would see how boys get to hold hands with girls and get to kiss girls and get to cuddle girls. And I would want to do that too. And then I would feel like a creepy-ass predator. It's totally for, fine for guys to be creepy-ass predators, but not for me, not for this Jane girly girls girl girl, right? Also was like super hyper feminine. If you could see the amount of times I was in my closet getting dressed and I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, you look like a dyke, change. I'd cinch my waist with a cute belt, put on some pink lipstick, 
little perfume, femme, oh, that's better, that's much more acceptable. <sighs> Dude, it's like this is, this is the kind of stuff that I've been really, really dealing with, working through, loving these aspects of myself. And, um, you know, while I'm thinking about it, I just like, I want to just love on my friends, my girlfriends, who never assumed that I had those thoughts about them. You know, you see that like, oh, you're gay, so do you have a crush on me? No. No, just because I like women doesn't like I mean I like all women. <laughs> doesn't mean I like my best friend. That has definitely been a situation. Definitely been a situation. But I probably wanted to make you my best friend because I had a crush on you in the first place. My best friends that I still have to this day, they know. And I actually said this to my best friend the other night. I'm so glad that I never had a crush on you. And her eyes, we've known each other since we were six. Her eyes got all big and she was like, I never thought about that. And I was like, oh my God. You never looked at me as a creepy predator lesbian that secretly wanted to like bang you. Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> but that's how it feels. And so you're growing up and like, you're pissed that you're not getting to have these intimate experiences that everyone else is having. Like all my friends wanted to make out with guys and like get down. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? That's gross. But I'm jealous of the guys. That's not fair. It was so confusing, you guys. And I felt like a fucking creep. I felt like a creep. And I looked at the media and I didn't see any gay girls in high school who looked like me. So... I shoved that idea so deep down inside of myself. And I will never, I remember thinking multiple times throughout my life, even as a really young girl, I will shove this down for as long as I possibly can. I would rather go blind. I would rather be deaf. Like these are the thoughts I was having than accept the fact that I'm probably a lesbian. Ugh, it's like painful to share that. And I just hope that, like, nobody ever feels that way again, you know? And, like, the new generation is, like, more queer than ever. They have Instagram. They have TikTok. They have Netflix. They have all of these representations of them telling them that they're okay. And that they don't have to be robbed of their adolescence, of their sexuality, you know? They say that when people come out, they kind of go through their teen years all over again because we didn't get to have our teenage adolescent experience you know while all my friends were making out with boys I was trying it and I was like oh <laughs> like the first time I had a boyfriend that like wanted to make out with me I will just never forget being like I don't like this at all like I want to get out of here there was one guy I dated in high school. I'll just give him props because I'm not a man-hating lesbian. And if I run into him one day, he's like totally married now. But it's like cool because I'm super gay. But I would give him props. He was such a good kisser. He was such a good kisser. And he was so respectful. And I really liked him. He gave me some hope. But then I broke up with him because I'm so gay. <sighs> Anyways... 
And and this is kind of what's been on my mind a lot is like lately um, there's so much television, HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Showtime, even like Disney that's showing young gay people in high school. Like all these high school shows where it's not just like that one femme gay boy who is like the side character who's just depressed all the time and probably suicidal or whatever because he's so closeted or so hated for being gay. Like that's such an old story that we're so done with seeing. We're seeing more of the proud, the proud femme gay guys who are dressing however they want and breaking fucking glass ceilings for other kids in high school who want to be seen in their authentic expression. And we're seeing more girls who are gay in high school. And I'm watching these shows and I'm just like, fuck. If I had seen this in high school, maybe things would have been different for me. Like, you guys, this is how important being represented in the media really is. It gives you hope. It makes you feel like you're not such a freak. And there's a show that I just finished watching that I absolutely loved called Atypical. It's about this boy with autism and his sister in the show. As soon as I started watching the show, I was like, she's so gay. This is so funny. She's like a track star. But she's this really cute boyfriend in the show. But she and her best friend keep having these really intimate moments. And I love the show because it's not just like this 15-year-old girl who just knows she's gay because it's like it's <clears throat> some of these shows make it seem too easy, right? And in this show, I, I really appreciated, and maybe it was because I related so much, like she really was struggling to accept this side of herself, as was her best friend. And I think the cute thing about the show is that her mom was like totally aware of it. And her mom kind of kept trying to talk to her about it, and she would get so mad. And, and then eventually in the show, they do start dating, and it's just like, it's just so cute. It's just so cute. And the show is just cute. Like, I want to be in that family. The show is just, it's so dynamic, all the storylines, it's just cute. I don't know if it's the best representation of people on the spectrum. I, the main actor isn't even autistic, and I think there's only one actor in the show that actually is. So I can see that it's probably problematic because it's only showing one person's experience of living on the spectrum, but you guys, it's a cute show. I don't think it was here to like change the world. So, but let's talk about shows that are giant in my culture. I told one of my students the other day, <laughs> she didn't know what the L word was. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> wait a minute. Have I not been loud enough about the L word? About the only show that my community has ever had to call their own? Okay, so. I thought I would educate you all because this is Jane's spiritually queer episode. Um, so uh, the L word came out in, let's Google it. The L word started in 2004. So super, super old school show. It's so funny to me. It was like in the 90s, but no, nope, it was 2004. I don't know how many seasons there were maybe like six. Um, I've only watched it a hundred times and I can guarantee you 
I, I don't know if I have a ton of queer people listening because I don't have a queer ton of queer friends. I don't have, I'm not, I'm not like that girl who's just surrounded by gay people. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. It's going to get to a point where it doesn't fucking matter anymore because we all understand each other a little deeper. But if you are a lesbian, I can guarantee that you have watched the L word all the way through at least twice. At least twice. And you probably have some opinions on it, um, as, as I do. So that show was super popular. It really, really sexualized um, and maybe a little bit villainized the lesbian community of East Hollywood. But then again, I've never been in the lesbian community of East Hollywood, so I have no idea. But the thing, it's a great show. It's just, it's showtime, you guys. It's lots of sex. It's lots of boobs. It's lots of girls cheating on girls and looking amazing, wearing amazing clothes. So I'm not going to say it's a great representation of our community at all. Like, it promotes this idea that everybody cheats, that, like, all lesbians are predators. Um, yeah. And that, and that, like, the main storyline is, like, oof is like this girl was sexually abused as a child and like it, she's gay now. I don't know. I don't know if we're supposed to correlate that. <laughs> but like, yeah, if you guys want to start like a chat about like what the fuck happened to Jenny, we can talk about that. Um, because I just never understood that at all. And I think a lot of people wonder that. So they made a remake. Jen Q, the L word, Jen Q. It's a new show on Showtime. And there's two, we're in the middle of the second season right now, and I just watched the new episode last night, and it was so good. It's still promoting that all lesbians cheat. Yep, still promoting that. Cheating is still kind of the main plot line. But, um, oh, and... The L Word, the original one, had a storyline of a woman, um, Jenny was dating a girl, Moira, who decided to become Max, and they did such a poor, poor job of representing what it must be like for a lesbian woman to transition into being a gay man, like, and I feel sorry, and I, like, feel, like, apologizing to any trans person who saw that and was like, this is a really shitty representation of trans people. And that's kind of what I feel like in the new season also. The trans character, there was one in the last season, or in the last remake, in the last series. There's one in this series. And their stories are very much in the background. And I know that it's a show about lesbians and it's not about trans men, but a lot of trans men were once lesbians and are still in those communities. And there's also bisexuals. Like, one of the main characters, Alice, is a bisexual. So why don't we give the trans man a deeper storyline? Because his storyline is not very deep and it's pretty boring. And we're not learning very much about him. It's fine. It's fine. I just feel like I'm sick of my community not treating trans experiences to be as important and life-changing 
as they are and not treating trans people like the heroes of our community that they fucking are. Because I'm sitting here as a white, white privileged, educated, non-presenting lesbian, and I fucking cry when I think about how hard it was for me. <sighs> so, the new L word is really good, though, because it is more woke. It has a lot of the same characters that have grown up and become more woke, who are like these power lesbians living in L.A., um, and like Bette Porter, who is kind of the main character in the last one, she's like fighting for, you know, people's rights and it's more woke. It has to be, right? If they're going to call it Gen Q. So I'm enjoying it. Every Friday night, I really look forward to watching a new episode and I will probably watch it again today because there is just something so validating about relating to people on the screen. So, if you want to get caught up on your queer culture, there are some TV shows for you to watch. Generation Q can be found on Showtime. You can get yourself a free 30-day subscription. And you can rewatch the old-school L Word on Hulu. Just find the cover that has a bunch of women naked making out with each other. You'll find it. And if you're watching it, at home, and your parents walk by, walk by, they might think you're watching lesbo porn. So, you've been warned. Okay, the other thing I want to talk about. Yeah, I'm like, do I have anything left to say on the L word? I mean... <laughs> you guys, I could make an entire podcast series analyzing the L word. So, if that's something that we need... If this show helps me call in my queer community online, we can do that because I can talk about that show all day, you guys. I can talk about, yep, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm not even going to go there because I will. I will, but I'm going to stay right here. So I have a confession to make in my loneliness and what I'm experiencing right now. I have ventured into the world of TikTok. Yep, I did it, you guys. I did it. I drank the Kool-Aid. That's how it feels, dude. It's so addictive. Holy shit. Oh, my God. You can't put it down. Um, but I, a lot of, I mean, I have been feeling called to get onto that app and to kind of share my message there. And a lot of people have been saying, you know, that I should do it. So when did I start with market research? Duh. I can't just get on there and actually I tried that once. I tried getting onto TikTok and posting TikToks without actually looking at TikTok. It was so dumb. My little sister was just laughing at me. Um, so I was like, okay, Jane, market research. And I was amazed at how quickly, within like 30 minutes of using it, the algorithm had already figured out that I was gay. It had already figured out that I'm like obsessed with Chinese street fashion. It had already figured out like so many things about me. <laughs> like the Chinese street fashion that really threw me um but yeah it's really interesting how the algorithm really just finds things for you so quickly and that keeps you entertained that way um I think it's fascinating I think that we could actually use this type of software for good and hopefully we do um Anyways, I found the corner of lesbian TikTok, which is hilarious and annoying as fuck at the same time. Because, oh my god, you guys. 
I cannot see another fucking TikTok that has some girl going, so do you like mask or femme? Mask or femme? Mask? Are you kidding me, people? Are, are we still living in these dual lives of, sorry, I only date femmes. Sorry, I only date masks. Masks for, ma like, ugh. You guys, if we're fighting for queer freedom, why are we still gendering the type of people that we like? Also, and I think this is what I think I like about TikTok, is why can't we be both? And so many people are on TikTok showing how well they can do both, which I love. I like androgynous people. I've always liked androgynous people. That's why I was pansexual for so long, because I have met some trans people that I'm like, yes, hello, look at you. Um, but I have only, you know, mostly dated female-bodied people. So, what was my point I wanted to make here? There's a whole corner on there, and some of it's annoying. Some of it's a little man-hating. Um, but then I also realized that there's like a lot of straight girls man-hating on TikTok too. I'm like, damn, do we hate men? Does TikTok hate men? Or like, do all young people hate men? Like, damn, you guys are really like shitting it right now. And another part of TikTok that I am loving are these man feminists who will like, I think it's when you duet some asshole guy who's talking about his toxic masculinity and how feminism is bullshit and these men that like watch it and then and then give their response and it's so great like those are the men that we're all falling in love with right the men that like understand feminism and want to call out these ridiculous men on tiktok that brings me joy that brings me joy it brings me hope you know um yeah, TikTok. It's a weird world. It's a weird world. And one thing that I think is interesting about the lesbian corner of TikTok is that everyone is trying to make content to show how gay they are. And again, you guys, can we just be gay and not make it our entire identity? Like, really, your whole TikTok is just about being gay? That's it? It's just jokes about how you have sex with women? Like, that's it? You don't have anything else to offer us? And also, there's a lot of culture of, like, being gay enough. That's fucked. Yeah. I had the hardest time coming out because I'm such a femme. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. Nobody really thought that I was gay. You don't look gay, Jane. You've always loved boys. It's called faking it. <laughs> it's called doing your best to fit into heteronormative stereotypes. It's called trying not to feel like a freak in your own body for thinking about other girls in the same perspective that the other boys around you were thinking. Do you guys even... Ugh! It's like, can you imagine what that's like? When I was in college, like, 
I had so many good guy friends because I started distancing myself from women because of the impure thoughts I was having about them. And then I would hear the way that my guy friends, who I love so much, would talk about women and I would be disgusted by them. I would be like, you fucking pigs. This isn't how you talk about women. This isn't okay. And then I would be punishing the pig inside of myself that was thinking similar thoughts. So it's really interesting, you guys. I do have the perspective of the male gaze in a way that you may never understand if you are not gay. At the same time, I know how to respect women. I know how to control myself. I know how to not be a fucking predator. But sometimes, you guys, you feel like one, and it's a shitty feeling. And I'm just glad I'm not a man. Being a man in this world must fucking suck right now because the way they have been conditioned to treat women is so horrendous. And these poor boys act like they don't even know any better. And I'm learning all of this from TikTok. <laughs> because um, my best friend who's a guy is like such a fucking sweetheart. So respectful. Loves women. Player. So respectful. And, uh, yeah. So, I had a few questions on my Instagram yesterday that came through, and it's really interesting because I actually feel like they are very aligned with what I'm talking about today. So I wanted to answer them. You guys, this is like the best part of my day right now. I am I am feeling lonely AF and knowing that I am just being listened to and heard and received right now. Wow, this is like therapy. Um, so, biggest spiritual breakthrough that has changed your life? Want to take a guess? Biggest spiritual breakthrough that has changed your life? Realizing that I'm gay as fuck and that I need to come out. That changed my life, you guys. That experience, it's so interesting. Like, I don't know why this, like, phrase queer spirituality keeps coming in through my head. But sexuality is so much aligned with spirituality and awakening and transcendence. And that, to me, was the biggest breakthrough. It wasn't recovering from anorexia. It wasn't becoming a Buddhist. It was being safe enough in myself and in my body, in my mind, and in my community to say, hey, everyone, I'm not totally sure what's going on with me right now, but I'm gay, and I need you all to love me the way that I am. Because I know that I've been showing you a version of Jane for the past 22 years that you thought was her, but she was lying to you, and this isn't who I am. And it was so hard to be so brave and to tell everybody that and leave my boyfriend, who was so sweet, and be on my own for so long and have so many people tell me that I'm not gay or that I'm just bi, or that I'm just confused, or that I'm just going through a phase when they had no 
idea that I've known since I was five years old and that I've been ashamed about it since I was five. Can you imagine that, you know? So that, to whoever asked that question, was the biggest spiritual breakthrough that changed my life because it wasn't so much, and this is what's so funny, <laughs> like my cute mom, she got so, you know, people in this town, they fucking talk. And the family that I'm in is just part of the community that fucking talks. And I think that's what I was so afraid of is that I knew people were going to talk about me. And my cute mom, I, this one day, like one of her friends um, called her and was like, I heard that Jane's a lesbian. Like what? And started asking her all these questions. And my mom just kind of had this moment of like, you're asking me about my daughter's sex life? Um, yeah, I don't think that I am, like, in the position to be sharing that with you. And weird, you know, like, isn't that weird? Isn't it weird that the whole town had to talk about how, like, Jane secretly wants to eat pussy? Seriously, you guys, like, it's, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You want me to be more clear with you because people, like... I had a really hard time saying I'm a lesbian because I had spent the last four years with a man who I loved. And I didn't want to like, sometimes I felt like he thought that it like was all a lie or something. No, it wasn't. And I want to make something really clear right now. I actually heard on um, Call Her Daddy this question that came in and Alex didn't know how to answer it. And I like... <laughs> I literally wanted to call in and be like, I have an answer. If you're dating someone and you have a really good relationship with them, and at some point in the relationship they say, I'm gay, I don't want to be with you anymore because I want to be with the opposite sex, I'm going to guess that your immediate thought is, I turned them gay. Like, I wasn't enough. I wasn't sexy enough. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. And now the person that I love is gay, and it's my fault. Honey... No, 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 no. That is not what happened. And I, you know, wish that I could go tell this man who was such an important part of my life for four years that he actually made me think maybe I'm not gay because he was so handsome and so sweet and so kind and we had so much fun together. That for four years, he helped me to think, maybe I'm not gay, because I really like this guy. And those four years, I was shoving and shoving and shoving the thoughts away that I was having about women, so that I could stay true to him. And that wasn't fair. It was so painful for me. And he deserved better. So I broke up with him. He didn't make me gay. He made me straight for four years until I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> so I just wanted to make that clear. But I don't think that you have to be gay to have a sexual awakening. Like I said, I live in Salt Lake City and sexuality is extremely oppressed here. Not just for gay people, but for straight people too. You have to wait until marriage. You can only do one position. Like you're you it's only for making like it's 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 so sterile 
It's not for joy. It's not for pleasure. It's not for fun. It's not for exploration. It's not to just explore that wildness inside you that just wants to live and breathe and create. No. So I am unraveling 22 years of sexual suppression. That's what I've been doing. That's the work I've been doing. I've been unraveling that. And on top of that, like on top of the layer of sexuality, it's the layer of being whoever the fuck you are that was the spiritual breakthrough. I didn't have to fit this mold anymore of who I thought I was. And there's this freedom in being queer. And if I haven't made that clear, I represent, I identify as queer. Call me a lesbian. I don't care. Call me bisexual. I don't care. Call me whatever you want. I don't give a shit. I am queer because to me, the Q, the LGBT, the Q, it represents all of us. And part of me thinks, can we just be Q? (laughs) Can we just all be queer? Um, Because within that, I get to have so much freedom to grow and move. I do. I do. Um, I also have a very hard time with the lesbian community. Um which might just be rooted in my own deep homophobia, I don't know, but anytime I've been around a group of lesbians, I have not felt very safe or comfortable with myself. Um, The few experiences I've had, they are, you know, like this one time I was in Seattle um, with some friends and kind of hung out with like her whole gay group of girlfriends and one of them just like kept on trying to get me to make out with this other girl. And I was just like, can you leave me alone? You're harassing me. Like, I'm here to enjoy the bars and you won't stop harassing me. And just like a lot of shadiness and I didn't like it. And here's the point I want to make, you guys. It's not about lesbians. It's about women. Lesbians are not some subcategory of women. We're not like some species of our own. We're just girls. We're just girls. And we're girls who date other girls. And that dynamic creates some fucking waves. I'll tell you that. It's not about us being lesbians. It's about that we're women who date women and are surrounded by women who are wounded in our masculine, who are wounded in our feminine. Just like everybody else, we have the same issues as everybody else. But when the dynamic is all women, it's just different. I also felt like I was never gay enough to be included in those groups. And I didn't like that. I didn't like being with people who didn't just let people be the fucking queers that we are. I shouldn't have to look or act or be any way to be accepted by my community. That's why I identify as queer. And that's why the second somebody tells me that they want to explore their sexuality and that they're curious and that they hope it's not just a phase, I say, you're fucking gay and that's okay. I will never, ever, ever tell you that it's just a phase. You could meet one woman that is the most fucking beautiful goddess you've ever seen in your life after 10 years of dating only men. You're still just as gay as I am because you saw her and you were like, I have got to have a piece of that. Like, I have got to be around her. I have got to know what she is. It's just love, you guys. It's just love. It's attraction, it's infatuation, it's sexuality. Just follow it. 
Don't get caught up in what it means about you. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm so done giving a shit. I'm so done being a wounded lesbian, man. And we've got some wounds, and I have dated some wounded girls, and it's not fun. We've got to heal that shit, okay? <laughs> so, biggest spiritual breakthrough was being who the fuck I am. And a big part of that was being gay and being open about it and stop lying about it. Because, you guys, I spent an entire summer after college having an affair with a girl and it fucking destroyed me. It was so painful. And I'm still healing from that. Because I made that choice. I made that mistake. I wasn't the one cheating. I was the one... I was the other girl, right? Still the same. Still the same. But I don't know why I need to like defend myself. I wasn't cheating on anybody. But I was sleeping with somebody's girlfriend and that was fucked. That wasn't cool of me to do. And I'm still forgiving myself for that. Whew, you guys are getting all kinds of like dark side of Jane today. This is where I've been dealing with. And it's interesting because my next question is about the cellular release therapy that I've been doing. I've done three sessions so far. And, and it's just interesting that this question, like all these questions are so aligned with what I'm feeling called to talk about today. So cellular release therapy is amazing. It is so much better than cognitive therapy, you guys. It's, it's very similar as I go in and I sit with this woman who's a therapist. Um, she's a cellular release therapist and she's a physical therapist as well. She does a lot of, I think she has a lot of certifications. She's really dope. I really look up to her. <laughs> um, and if anyone wants her information, please reach out to me because not only does she take clients in Salt Lake City and virtually she has a huge network around the country and she can connect you with someone who does this work. Um, but the idea of cellular release therapy, and this is just through my own experience, so you might have experienced something different. Um, it's like talk therapy, but we don't get into the story. We get into the feeling. So for example, I started talking about these horrible memories I have of my ex-girlfriend being really abusive. And I start telling the story and she stops me. Oh, let's not get lost in the story. How are you feeling in your body right now? Stay with it. Stay with it. I feel afraid. You feel afraid? Stay with it. What is the fear like? And I don't know. I'm not, this isn't what I, this isn't my kind of work. I don't guide people in this work. So I don't really know exactly what she's trying to do. You're kind of there to just be guided. And we stay in that feeling. We stay in the fear and she keeps guiding you into it deeper and deeper and deeper until you are in it as if you're reliving it. And you're crying and you're afraid and you're this and you're that. And then you get a moment of, okay, let's talk about what an empowered person would do. Let's talk about standing tall. And she kind of gets you into this more powerful place. And, and this is just an example, you guys. There's so many things, but this was something that she did is like teaching your body first of all we move through the emotion cry it out let it all come out get angry get mad whatever's coming through allow it be with it 
let it leave your body, which is so much about what the body keeps score is about. We cannot store this shit in our bodies. It is destroying us. You guys, every time I see someone who looks like my ex-girlfriend, I feel afraid. And there's a lot of pretty girls out there who don't deserve that. <laughs> and that's a big reason why I wanted to go to her. I can't feel afraid like this anymore. I cannot. So we go back into those experiences and we make empowered choices in the body. We stand in our power and we say something like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And we see ourselves walking out of that situation. And we live in that more empowered body. And that's just... God, how many times can I say that's just an example? Um, just working through the emotionality of a lot of the things that we're holding on to on our bodies. Um, you know, we were unraveling kind of from my first memory at age five all the way up to, you know, dating girls and still being ashamed of myself. So at age five was my first memory of being ashamed of my sexuality and my desires, and then we worked our way through all of that, and oh my god, you guys, it was so much grief, oh my god, it was so much grief, and anger, and the thing that I love about this modality is that if you start getting into the story, or if you start doing things and saying things to help you feel better, she's like, nah, uh uh come back, <laughs> stay in it, because what do we do when we feel uncomfortable? We try to get out of it, even like, in our sessions, I'll start like doing these deep breaths to calm down. And she's like, stop deep breathing. <laughs> stop trying to calm down. You need to stay where you are. It's almost like, it's almost like there's a reserve of fuel inside my body that is called the trauma. And I have to look, go into it and remember it and activate it to burn through the fuel. And then like, you know, as if you can put a match to the fuel, burn through it by staying with it, staying with it, crying, letting it release, letting it out, whatever it is. And then it's, and then it's all burned through. And it doesn't feel so intense on you anymore. And she does these kind of tests with your body to see if you still feel afraid or if you still feel empowered. And that's where the cool aspect of like being a body worker and a physical therapist comes in. If you're having like pain in your hips or in, you know, somewhere in your body, she can physically work those for you and then also emotionally work them for you. So that's cool because she's also a physical therapist. I don't think all cellular release therapists also do physical therapy. But you guys, it's been a lot. It's like I'm so far into my healing journey and there is still so much to unpack. I'm still forgiving myself for so much, you know? So even someone like me that maybe you look up to, maybe you see as like a teacher, a guide, someone who has done all the work. The work doesn't end. I'm still doing the work and it's so hard. And since that last session I have, I have wanted to be more internal than ever. I have wanted to listen to the little girl inside of me and what she needs more than ever. So if trauma of any kind, you guys, any kind. You do not have to be like seriously traumatized to deserve support. If feelings in your body are just, you don't feel like you're managing them, you don't feel like you're in control of them, even if you're like me, you meditate every day, you're a Buddhist practitioner, you do Reiki, you do yoga every day, 
I don't get anxious anymore. I do feel like I am in complete sovereignty and control of my emotions. But like I said, you guys, if a person that walks towards me that looks anything like my ex and I get fucking scared, no, hun, you're not done with your healing yet. You got work to do, baby. So I'm still working on it, you guys. I'm still working on it. And you can be on the healing path wherever you are, and you can still support others and show up for others. You do not have to be fully healed. You don't have to be fully anything to start helping others. The reason we go on this healing path is so that then we can hold the light up for others and show them the way. And if I was waiting until I was fully healed from all of this shit before I started supporting others, think of all the people all the people who are listening, all the clients and students that I've had who would not be supported right now. Don't wait until you're perfect to start supporting others. If you're on a healing journey, I'm giving you full permission right now to start sharing with others what you're learning and what you're going through and supporting others. Because we all need to heal, babe. We all need to heal. I have lived such a lush, privileged lifestyle, you guys. And I have so much healing to do. So much. So the last question I had here. In one sentence, most important lesson you've learned. <sighs> most important lesson you've learned. Oh my God. In one sentence. Okay. Let's see if I can do this. You are allowed to be honest. You don't have to lie anymore. You don't have to lie to anybody, even if you're trying to protect them. You don't have to lie to them. And in fact, you should practice honesty, truthfulness, in the most loving and kind way that you possibly can, because... If there's one truth that I know, every single person on this planet wants one thing, to be loved. Every person on this planet wants one thing, to be loved. And if you are lying to the people that you love, you are not giving them the love and kindness that they deserve. They can handle you in your truth. Your truth will not scare anybody, no matter what it is. The people who love you the most can handle it, and the people who never loved you will disappear. So you don't need to worry about if your truth is going to hurt anyone. Everybody just wants to be loved, and this I know and I believe, and it's bringing more emotions up. Every person on this planet is inherently good. Every person on this planet has a loving heart inside of them. And they want to share that love so badly. But they are not seeing it around them. They are not receiving it around them. They are afraid that if they share the truth of their love, it won't be okay. So, stop lying. Even if it's the tiniest little lies, why are you doing that? The number one advice that I received from the Dalai Lama 
when I started studying his books was, you don't have to lie. Try being honest. Try being honest every day. Even if you're afraid it might hurt someone, try being honest and see what happens. That lesson, you guys, it changed everything for me. I did not realize that I needed someone to give me permission to stop lying and to be honest and to be who I was. And now I get a lot of comments from people that I'm too honest. And I'm like, well, then don't hang out with me. Would you rather be around someone who lies? (laughs) Like what? I'm too honest. I'm not mean. And that's the thing. Like, we don't want to be mean in our honesty. We don't want to be that bitch that's like, what? I'm just being honest. It's like, no, you're being mean. You're being a bitch. Can you be honest in a way that is loving and kind? Yes, you can. Work on it. Because all the people out there that you think are evil and bad and corrupt and are out to kill all humans and destroy the world, all those people, let's think of them as all those men. They're all little boys who didn't get the love from their mothers that they deserved. And now they're wounded as fuck. And all they want, all they want is to be loved. If we could like drop some gorgeous, beautiful woman into the Koch brothers' household. A few women, maybe. We'd call them, like, the sex priestesses of Isis, right? Goddesses that are here to do that healing work and seduce these men and give them the love, teach them to receive the love that they were never given. And if you don't know who the Koch brothers are, they're pretty much responsible for the entire industry that's causing global warming. They're very aware of it, and they're not going to stop. Because they were never fucking loved, you guys. They don't care about humanity. They care about power. Because they were never loved. So if we could send in some sex priestess kamikazes (laughs) to go and show these men what it means to be loved. And to teach them to open their hearts and receive love. I know. I know. That they would stop everything that they're doing. And that they would change their ways. And that is why the woman, the matriarch, the divine feminine, is coming back into power. Because only, only the love and kindness and compassion of a woman can heal this toxic patriarchy that is taking over the world. So my most important lesson is, after being truthful, when you see someone who is wounded, remember, they just want to be loved. And you have an infinite source of unconditional love inside of you that you can share with them. If I give my loving kindness thoughts and prayers to a Trump supporter, doesn't mean I don't have any extra left for my friends and my loved ones. No. I have infinite amount of love to give. And what if 
I could show that Trump supporter that this gay liberal loves them. Think about that little tiny crack open I could make in their heart by saying, I know that you voted to take away my rights, but I see you. You still deserve love, and I still love you, boo. I know, you guys, this is radical. You might be, like, screaming at me right now for saying something like this. I get it. But I believe that's what's going to change the world. If I cancel that person, and I say, fuck you, I'm canceling you, that's going to keep them in that place of, you know, liberal gay people are bad and evil because they don't love me. No, I love you. Oh, you do? Oh, weird. Ugh, what do I do with this? Ugh. Someone's showing me love? Oh my gosh. I don't know what's happening to me, you know? I have, you know, I interact with people online. I really try not to, but, you know, every time someone like that comes into my realm and they want to say things to me, I just say, wow, that is an amazing perspective. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate your viewpoint. And they're always like, what? Huh? Like they were ready to argue with me because they thought that I was going to like bitch at them. But no, like thank you for opening my awareness to different perspectives that I could understand. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> Mike drops. They're literally like, uh, okay, wow. I've had people be like, you're really like, you're so gracious. I'm like, thank you, Trump supporter, for telling me that I'm so gracious because I'm not attacking you for having an opinion because I know that your opinion and your perspectives are rooted in how wounded you are and how much trauma you have faced. And the biggest homophobes out there, that guy who's sitting outside of the Pride Festival telling me I'm going to go to hell, I'm like, you poor, lonely, old homo. Like, oh, it breaks my heart, honestly. And you guys, even though I'm not queer presenting, I have been yelled at in the streets by men so often. I have been yelled at by men in the streets while I'm walking with my girlfriend who tell us how beautiful we are, and that is like the best thing ever. Like walking, holding hands with your girlfriend, having a man say, wow, you two are so beautiful and just walk by, just genuine compliment, best feeling ever. But walking alone in the street and having a man scream at you that you're a fucking dyke and I won't even say all of the other things that I've heard because they are just too inappropriate and I, you know, I'm just not going to repeat it. <laughs> you guys, if a if a cute femme-looking girl like me is receiving that kind of hate, imagine what it's like for my community. Imagine how scary it can feel sometimes. A few weeks ago in Moab, a beautiful little town in Utah, um, these two well well-known local gay girls were camping. And they were waiting for some friends to meet them. And 
a guy that was camping next to them was kind of harassing them, being weird, making them uncomfortable. So they texted their friends like, there's this weird guy next to us on our campsite. We're going to move. We're going to pack up. We'll let you know where we move to next. And they never heard back from these girls. And these girls were found shot dead near their campsite. You guys, when I heard that, my whole day went down. Because only a few days before, Bruna and I had checked into this Airbnb in this small town in Millard County, and we walked out to the lake, we're walking around, and we're not holding hands. And we both know why. And we're sitting there at the lake, and I said to her, wow, I'm still, I am still afraid that someone is going to see us and not like that we're here and not like that we're together and that they're going to give us some issues and maybe kill us. You guys, that's a fear that is on my mind constantly. When we're in the city, I feel totally fine, but when we're off camping alone or on a road trip or traveling alone and you find yourself in a small town getting gas, hoping nobody gets angry that you're a white girl with a brown immigrant and that you're gay. There's just so many wounds. I just don't know how a man could be so wounded that he wants to kill two girls for minding their own business and for loving each other. Damn, that is not the note I wanted to end my show on. I'm sorry, you guys. But here's the thing is that like I still let things like that take me down. And, you know, I was hanging out with one of my best buddies last night and I could see that like the state of the world is taking him down. We can't do that, you guys. We have to stay hopeful. We have to stay proud. We have to honor all the people who came before us that helped us get to where we are in our society today. And we have to honor them by not being afraid and staying in our power. But I did spend a day in the fear of, what if I get murdered someday? (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Man. Man. Yep. So here is a nice little peek into what it's like to be me, you guys. What it's like to be gay. And I would like to have more of this aspect of myself on the show um, because I have looked and looked and looked for lesbian podcasts and they all fucking suck. (laughs) Yeah. And there's more aspects of me than just Buddhism and yoga, you know? I have so much more to share than just that. So I hope you've learned something new today, had some insight in some way today, and... um, If you're queer and you're listening, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear if you agreed with anything I said. I would love to hear if you disagree with anything I said. I would love to hear if you have a story that you want to be shared. If I have any trans listeners, if I have any non-binary listeners, I would love to hear from you. Anyone, anyone on the spectrum, I would love to hear from you. Um, And lastly... I have one opening this month 
for a new sanctuary student. So sanctuary is my kind of beginner level program. It's a one-on-one mentorship where you and I spend 12 weeks together aligning your chakras. That's the whole point of this program is that we get really, really deep into the energy centers, what they mean, and how we can use them as building blocks to get our fucking lives together. I kind of want to change the name of the program to get your fucking life together because that's what this is. You will learn to meditate. You will learn energy work. We can explore the Akashic Records if that's something you feel called to do. And you will have me as your coach and healer every week, every day for these 12 weeks supporting you. And I think the coolest thing about Sanctuary is that <laughs> like, my girls that are in it are like, wow, this is amazing. We started with the root chakra and I got grounded into that. And then it felt easier to move into the second chakra and explore what's there. And, and it's like, yes, they're building blocks. This is what alignment is. And my girls who come into Sanctuary, most of them have recently graduated college and just like don't know what they're doing with themselves and really need to redirect and align and find guidance on what their purpose is. Um, And it's amazing because they'll start the program like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so lost. And by the end of the three months, you guys, they are like, Jane, everything's manifesting so quickly. Everything's happening for me. All of the things that I wanted, they're all coming my way. And they're like overwhelmed at how quickly things came in. And it's not me, y'all. It's you doing that work on your own alignment, full alignment of all the chakras. And it's not meditating on the rainbow centers in your body. No, it's work. It's work. It's homework, it's assignments, it's shit that I'm giving you that you have to work on so that you can be aligned in your chakras. And then by the end of it, you're like, holy shit, why am I manifesting so quickly? Because you're in alignment and you're telling the universe, yes, I'm here, I'm ready to receive, let's fucking do this. And most of my girls who finish sanctuary go into service, which is exactly what I'm here to do. We are creating lighthouses around the world to shine brightly And to help others see that they're not alone. I got you, boo. Let me teach you to meditate. Let me teach you to take care of yourself. Let me teach you about your chakras. Let me teach you about energy healing. So that you can go and fucking take on the world being a completely embodied badass person. So, yeah, I have one opening this month. And I'm excited to find out who that's going to be. Who wants to join me in this beautiful space of alignment and... I just love it. I love this program so much. So if you want to apply, you can use the link in my Instagram bio or you can go to my website, janelion.me. I will just link that into the show notes. If you are meant to take that last spot that I have and we will have an amazing fall season together. (sighs) And thank you so much for listening to me today. Um, This experience is showing me that Even when I'm feeling really internal or lonely or sad or like I have nothing to give, if I can just show up, maybe I can support somebody. And if this supported you today, please let me know. Please let me know. And if you love my show, please post it to your stories. Send one to a friend to listen. Leave me a review. I am just kind of starting to get into gear of actually promoting the show and really getting it out there. Um, But like I said, I'm moving slowly right now. So 
If you could share this show, leave a review, post it to your story, it would mean the world to me. And above all else, if this show supported you today, I would love to hear from you. You are so loved. You are so worthy. You're so divine. And you deserve everything that this world has to offer you. And I'm giving you permission right now to go out there and get it. Fucking get it. Get all of it. Get all the juiciness, all of the love, all the bliss. Go get all of it that you can. We only know that we have this one precious human life, so I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to use it to develop myself, my love, my kindness, my truthfulness, and support others so that we can craft a better world around us, you guys. That's what I'm here to do. Thank you for being on this mission with me. I hope you have a beautiful day, and I love you very much.